You're listening to This Life Explains It All. With the creators of Vera, your guide for navigating a conscious life. We're Stefania Romeo and Catherine Griffiths. This Life Explains It All was created out of belief that our life experience is our greatest teacher. And as soul sisters and intuitives, we've spent the past decade completely obsessed with better understanding our minds and our bodies, all while running a mile a minute with busy careers as leaders in the tech startup world. On this podcast, we are bringing you the insights and lessons that have changed our lives with the thought leaders, healers, and dreamers behind them. We're discussing wellness practices, healing methods, and experiences that get us to think differently about life and live empowered. Whether you want to uplevel your health, your career, your relationship, or are going through changes to your life path, this information can help you get there and let you know that we're right here with you. We believe life isn't meant to be lived linear, and no matter where you are right now, you're right on time. Hey guys, it's Kat and Stefania. You're listening to This Life Explains It All, Vera's podcast. Today we're talking to Jada Spitalak, a Columbia University trained psychologist. She's also a holistic nutritional health coach and an entrepreneur who takes an integrative approach to wellness. She's the founder of Fermentanicals, a company that she created through experimenting with different ways of consuming foods for better digestion and improving our gut health, which in turn can improve our mental health. Yeah, and the products that she sells are all fermented, sprouted, or activated, which has surprising benefits to our immune system. I was really surprised about this part. In this conversation today, we talk specifically about gut health and simple things we can do to alleviate common gut issues. Jada shares her story on how she got started with her business and what she learned about herself through the process. Stefania, when did you first start paying attention to your own gut health? I've been really into gut health, foods, digestion ever since I learned that I had gluten and dairy intolerances many, many years back. I was suffering from brain fog, feeling tired all the time, feeling this sense of just something is off, but I'm not really sure what it is. And through lots and lots of testing, I finally found out that this is what it was. And by changing the way that I ate, I was able to get a lot of relief. A fog was lifted. I say that I didn't even know was there, but it was sort of a gateway for me into really getting into and understanding how the food that we put in our body impacts our health, both physically and mentally. I remember when you went through that in New York with the first time when you were trying to figure out what was causing that you not to feel well after certain foods. And so that was pretty early on. I feel like that was even before gut health was a big thing. Cause I feel like now we hear about it all the time, but back then it wasn't really. Yeah. Do you remember I had to go for that endoscopy, like picture imaging down my throat and I had to have someone come pick me up and you came and picked me up. Yes, I do remember that actually. <laughs> in a taxi, I'm sure. Yeah, you came and picked me up in a taxi. Yeah, because I think that then we were looking into it as it related to our physical health, stomach issues, mm-hmm. all of that. But for me, it really presented as mental health or mental well-being stuff as well. Yeah, definitely. I feel like you've been exploring it on the physical side, maybe on the mental side as well. But aside from just cutting out those foods, I started learning about things like how fermented foods can help us. I've integrated different things into my diet, like apple cider vinegar, different fermented things that are good for the microbiome, which Jada talks about a lot. So I'm excited to get into this conversation. 
and that part in particular. Yeah. I feel like you've kind of evolved in your nutrition and diet and the way that you've been integrating food too, especially lately. Yeah. Yeah. I've made a lot of changes. I think that when I first started noticing that something wasn't right was when I was so bloated all the time and I worked out constantly. Like I would do multiple runs per week and do all this exercise, but nothing was changing in my body and I was still feeling really bloated. And I think part of that, and I've talked about this before, is because if you work out at the wrong time of your cycle, then you could be putting stress on on your adrenals. So that causes bloating as well. But a lot of it was food. And I remember listening to a podcast and I can't remember which podcast it was, but it was a nutritionist talking about the number of patients that come to see her. And there's like this elephant in the room because they're willing to give up anything else, but the elephant in the room, which is alcohol. And that was definitely me. Like I would experiment with anything don't have as much dairy or try and not have as much gluten, you know, literally coffee, anything, but I wouldn't really look at my relationship with alcohol. So once I decided to actually look at that more so for mental health reasons and productivity and all of that, it actually started to change for me. So I significantly decreased the amount of alcohol I was drinking. I wasn't having multiple drinks on every single weekend, every night. I really started to notice a difference in my bloating. And then because of that, I was also making better food choices because when I was drinking, then that would have a snowball effect into different types of foods that aren't great for me. So maybe like a pizza or pasta in excess. (laughs) So once I started making those changes is when I really noticed a difference. It was mainly driven by the bloating, but then also my mental health and how much anxiety I was feeling at the time. And it just wasn't, I just knew something wasn't right and that I needed to make a change. Yeah. It makes sense. And I think that I'm glad that we're talking more about how the gut health and sometimes talked about as the microbiome does have such an impact on our mental health. Jada in this conversation talks about the vagus nerve. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And if you're not familiar with it, it is the nerve that connects the organs in the digestive system to the brain. And it sends signals and messages from our gut into our brain. And so this is this idea of the gut brain, that the second brain that we have that sometimes we hear talked about, but maybe not all the science behind it. And it can be really impacted by the balance of our microbiome. So if our gut health is balanced, then our mind is going to feel imbalanced. And if it's not, then it's not. And there are some really simple kind of swaps or kind of tweaks that we can make to what we're eating that can help that. Like, for example, one of the things that we talk about is sugar and how sugar is one of the things that can really get your microbiome off and then impact your mental health. Yeah. Sugar is a huge one. I think that was the main one for me because I was so addicted and I still am to a certain extent, but so addicted to sugar because I was getting so much of it from wine, so much of it from carbs. And when I didn't have as much wine, I was craving sweets like chocolate and all these foods that I never would crave before because it was taken care of with the wine and carbs. So that was really interesting. So it's such a journey to then look at, okay, well, I'm addicted to sugar clearly. So now, you know, how can I wean myself off without giving up everything that I love all at once and just kind of doing it bit by bit. Yeah. 
Well, because I feel like we've all felt that like when we're having a lot of sugar or a lot of carbs, you just crave more. You're never satiated. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we're going to talk about in the interview that she goes into a lot is around inflammation and how the sugar in your gut can contribute to inflammation all throughout the body and how inflammation is something that contributes to our mental health, anxiety, and depression. In particular, she talks about when we have that inflammation. One of the things that I've been doing, I've shared a little bit, I think mostly through our Instagram, that I always put cardamom and ginger in my coffee Mm -hmm. and in my drink that I have in the morning. That's one thing. We actually don't go into too much in this episode that I found can help with inflammation. The inflammation that you can see. There's a lot of inflammation in the body that you cannot really see or or know that's Mm -hmm. there. You just see it show up in different ways but I've been incorporating some of those other little things too. Yeah. And cinnamon is good for sugar cravings. Oh yeah. And I love, 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 love cinnamon. I think Bonnie Rose Weaver talked to us about that one. Yes. Bonnie Rose Weaver. Yeah. I loved that one. All right. So let's get into this conversation with Jada. So in this conversation, Jada's sharing her story and what she's learned about herself through her journey of starting Fermentanicals. She also shares a lot about her transition and move from living in the US to moving to Australia, being in an interracial marriage and everything she's learned from that. That was kind of a nice little add-on or surprise at the end that I was glad that we got to get into. But on the Mm. gut health side, we talk about why gut health is so important, how it's connected to everything in our mind and our body. We talk about the surprising research behind fermented turmeric and the benefits it can have on our mental health and digestion. And we talk about why it's beneficial to consume fermented, sprouted, or activated foods. And Jada shares her number one health tip. All right, let's get into it. Welcome again, Jada. We're so excited to talk to you and have you on the podcast. We'd love to start out with your story and what led you into health and wellness and into that whole world and also creating fermentanicals. Sure. So I guess my journey is a little off the beaten path. I decided to do a career change when we were living in New York and I was really interested in counseling and psychology. So I got into a master's program, which was great. And I've been counseling ever since, but I was really into natural healing. So I started taking additional courses after I was done at Columbia. I started taking, you know, I mainly practice in CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, but I was really interested in mindfulness and yoga psychotherapy. So I got more training on how, you know, the body and the mood work together. And so really how to do mood management through movement. And uh, from there, I just got more and more interested in natural ways your body can heal. I'm not opposed to medication. I think there is the time and place for it. But if you can heal naturally, I think that that's the easiest and best resource to use first. So we kind of, in between this process, sometime in between, moved to Australia. And when we were here, I'm still practicing in New York. I have my private practice in New York and I just do Zoom or Skype with my patients out there or my clients out there. But over here, I was looking for something to do and it it didn't translate over. And I was really interested in research. So I do a lot of research on my spare time. And I came across the research that showed that turmeric, well, the 1000 milligrams of curcumin, which is the antioxidant found in turmeric, works better than antidepressants for depression, which is really hectic and amazing research. 
And um, I just didn't understand why it wasn't widely available or publicized. And so then I started doing more research and found that actually, if you take the curcumin out of turmeric, it is still as effective in reducing inflammation and staving off cancer. So actually, there are 300 other compounds that are amazing that's found in turmeric that we just don't even acknowledge. So I started doing more research about how hard it is to digest the turmeric. And it basically landed itself into wanting to create this company, Fermentanicals. Because through my research, I discovered that if you ferment turmeric, it's the easiest way for your body to absorb it. And it basically goes straight into your bloodstream. So I also did additional training in nutrition and uh, mental health. And I got a nutritional health coaching certificate as well. So through all of those avenues, it landed me to developing this company. And the theme of the company or the main mission of the company was originally to just bring out foods that are really great for mental health. But because there's still such a stigma, or at least back then, this was like like four or five years ago, there felt like more of a stigma about mental health. I wasn't advertising that this brand was made for mental health. And then accidentally, after we created our products, we were hearing so many great reviews about people because it's just actually tackling inflammation. So a lot of our products that we have released is just taking superfoods and making them, presenting it to consumers in the most digestible fashion for their bodies to actually absorb the nutrients and then amplifying the nutrients, either through fermenting or sprouting. Yeah. I am so interested in this because I feel like I'm all about anti-inflammation stuff, but I haven't actually... And actually, I want to see if I can get order some of your product over here, but I haven't experimented with turmeric so much. And I'm wondering, what did you find when you were looking through research on like, why isn't this more widely kind of publicized or available? So these are research from different institutions and it, because it's not big pharma, they don't have the marketing behind them, right? So they're not going to be able to publicize the research. and Alternatively, like when big pharma is doing research, they're skewing it and showing people the data that makes their product more right. preferable, right? Whereas this benevolent research that's just happening out of universities just to gain more knowledge and information, there's no reason for it to be, you know, magazines aren't going to find it so interesting to want to publicize it and no one's going to be paying them to do it either. So it's just kind of like if you go down the rabbit holes of, research and looking through different journals, you'll stumble across it. But, and you know, it's, it's up to people who are more into the natural world to kind of be like, be the advocates for this. What about like the, in the way that you consume turmeric, because I know that you mentioned when it's fermented, that's the best way to consume it. But what if you have like the spice in your spice cabinet, does that do anything or does it have to be? I mean, it's always good, right? But it's, again, it's really hard for your body to break down. So traditionally you're told to add it to yeah. black pepper or to healthy fat, and then that increases in the, the digestion of it. So just finding out how to pair your foods is really great. You know, because um, even off topic, everyone says you shouldn't eat corn, but actually if you pair corn with black beans, then you're able to digest it better. So like, it's mm. just understanding food pairings and understanding how you can actually break down the food in your body better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned inflammation and connection to mental health, and we want to get into more of the conversation between gut health and mental health as well. But can you talk about how inflammation impacts our bodies? How does it show up? What can you tell us for someone who's not so familiar? Yeah. So inflammation is basically your first body's natural response to 
anything happening. So you'll notice if you get hurt, you're swollen in that area. So it's kind of like the first signal for us to understand that something is not right. And inflammation has been linked to every precursor for a lot of ailments. So a lot of the degenerative diseases like Alzheimer's, Hashimoto's, any digestive health issues, they're all comorbid with inflammation. And now we're seeing that there is a kind of a, I don't want to say bi-directional link, but we're seeing that people who have inflammation have a higher propensity towards depression and anxiety. And now we're also finding that the opposite is the case. So perhaps if you have depression or anxiety, that might bring on higher levels of inflammation as well. Mm-hmm. So it works in like a circle and they're, they're co-related. And it's just, it's amazing because some of the research that's coming out now is showing that you can actually treat a lot of mental health disorders, even from not just depression and anxiety, but even to bipolar. So mania is showing positive responses. I think Johns Hopkins University just did a study showing that inflammation reducing medication has been shown to help people stave off from having another manic episode, which is really incredible. So the only caveat to this is a lot of the current mental health medication that's out there causes inflammation within the body. So it's really Mm. important to just like actually understand what your medication is, what the side effects may be, if it's working for you, you know, all that type of stuff. I mean, just getting information is, is really key and being informed is so helpful to your journey of healing. Yeah. Are there other lifestyle things that could be contributing to inflammation? Oh yeah. I mean, eating definitely. So if you're, if you're having, I mean, I think you're going to hear this throughout every podcast that you do with anyone who's giving you any nutritional advice. It's the same thing. If you can eat the whole foods, if you can stay off the sugar, the white processed carbs, or like the junky processed junk food, you're going to reduce your inflammation and it's just going to be better for your overall mental health and physical health, everything, you know? Yeah. And there's also definitely things that you can incorporate within your lifestyle to decrease inflammation too. And and I'm, I think we're going to get there, but there's just so much you can do as a lifestyle and, and food and the whole package. I think the whole shift is just that we need to look at wellness as a complete system rather than isolated systems as it currently is within our medical system, both in America and in Australia. Yeah. And what are some of the signs that you see when somebody is really struggling with inflammation? Poor digestion is one of them. So we're talking about gut health, right? So when we were talking about gut health, your gut health or the microbiome has now been linked to almost every system within the body. So your immune system, your mood, your mental health, the autoimmune disease. So endocrine disorders, like skin conditions, everything actually is like has something to do with your gut health. And uh, inflammation in that way will definitely be affecting your gut health. So you might see more GI issues. People who have IBS or anything like that, it actually is also related with inflammation. So you're just going to see it definitely from either the skin or, or it just manifests itself in so many different ways depending from person to person. So you mentioned when we were talking about food, sugar. And I think a lot of us know sugar, especially refined sugars, are not good for us. Can yeah. you talk a little bit about the impact of sugar in particular? Something that we're really interested to know more about, especially me, because I really have a sweet tooth and I'm always thinking about this, how that impacts our gut health and then how that can impact that 
mental health as well. And like you said, the connection between the gut brain and, and our brain. Yeah. So I struggle with this as well. I love, I love sugar. I love <laughs> kind it. Kind of one of those things where <laughs> Me too. it's like, oh, I love carbs. Yes. <laughs> Who doesn't? It's a comfort, <laughs> right? But um, it's like one of those lifelong battles and just, I like to look at it in two different ways. It's arming myself with the knowledge. So we all have it, right? We've all seen or heard of the documentaries out there that break the sugar down and our body's response and how it's basically like the same as being on drugs. Like it gives us that high and then that crash, right? Mm -hmm. So you know this and that knowledge is great, but then how do you actually break the cycle? And for me, some of the things that really help is adding protein. Also having healthy sugar substitutes. So not anything like Malidol or those unhealthy ones, but Stevia has really had no negative research yet that I've seen at least. Um, I feel like a lot of the alternative sugars out there are really highly debated, especially like agave or the other ones that have been connected to horrible digestive issues. Anything that ends with all, with the exception mm. of erythritol. Uh, erythritol is a fermented sugar made from corn. And I don't think that there's any negative research that I've seen on that one yet. So I try to have, if I'm in a desperate situation, having those like little chocolates around that have that are sweetened by stevia and that can kind of curb that craving. If you can up your healthy fats and up your magnesium, that's really great. And one of the other things that is less known is to up the zinc, levels of mm. zinc in your system. And basically too much sugar in your body is linked to lower levels of zinc. But zinc actually plays a role in our taste buds. So it affects the way that we taste food. Mm -hmm. So if you can actually increase your zinc, you might actually need the sugar less, which is really interesting. So let's talk a little bit about in your work, in your company, fermentation, sprouting. Yeah. Why is this important? Can you tell us about it? Sure. I mentioned a little bit about the benefits of fermenting before and, and how it basically helps to it helps and increases the bioavailability of all foods, which means it's easier for your body to digest and absorb the nutrients. Mm -hmm. It also changes the nutritional profile found in the food and it increases the probiotics. So the level of bacteria or healthy bacteria that's found in the foods. Mm -hmm. The other thing about sprouting, and I think people know less about sprouting. I think fermenting has kind of been a trend and it's been on the hipster scene for mm -hmm. a while. Sprouting is really interesting because what it does is it takes, so we sprout within my company for botanicals. We focus on flax, chia, quinoa, and buckwheat. And these four seeds all have really amazing, you know, nutrients behind it, but I'll talk about the research in a second. But basically what happens is take flax, for example, flax is a really hard seed for your body to digest. It's called a superfood and traditionally we're thought to mill it before we eat it. So it's easier absorbed and easier digested. The problem with flax in general is that it's covered with phytic acid and all kinds of acids that prevent it from being absorbed in your system. So even if you mill that, you're not getting rid of those digestive barriers. You're just blending it and then yeah. eating it. So when you're sprouting, you're actually breaking down that digestive barrier and essentially turning the seed into a plant. And we stop that process at that sweet spot just before it fully blossoms into a plant. So it's just when it's got its first sprout, it's got so much more vitamins and nutrients because it's about to blossom into a big mm. plant. It's about to grow, right? We cut it off right there. So the nutritional profile of the seed changes, it's increased. 
and the digestive barriers are, are gone. So what also happens in specific, specifically with flax and chia is um, you're doubling the antioxidants. Both of these seeds have a high lipid count, so they, go, they tend to go rancid. But if you double the antioxidants, it actually protects the seed from going rancid as quickly. So it's really like, a, there's just so many amazing benefits. You're also having some, you know, probiotic activity in it, but that's not exactly why you would eat the sprouts. I don't think you would get your, rely on probiotics from your sprouts. I think you can do that with your sauerkraut and fermented foods, mm-hmm. less so with your sprouted foods, but it's just a really amazing way to actually absorb the superfood that you're eating and you're able to digest it. Yeah. What were some of the first things that you noticed after you started consuming all of like the flax seeds and everything, turmeric, all of these things differently? Yeah. What did you notice about yourself? This is really gross. I mean, but I'm just <laughs> going to lay it out there because people <laughs> should know. We should just talk about this. Flax, if you have it normally, non-sprouted, eat it on one end and it comes out the next. Like you can see those flax seeds. Yeah. When you actually have sprouted flax, you digest it and you could see, like you could tell. It's yeah. not, it's not coming out on the other end. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's one visual way. I like absolutely saw a difference. I was like, wow. But definitely with turmeric, I saw actually my skin clear up because I've always had problem skin. So that was mm-hmm. really interesting. And I have had customers come and tell me that it's helped them with psoriasis. And that was news to me. I didn't realize that turmeric was like so great with psoriasis. So that was really exciting because I do tend to get like dry skin and I get breakouts due to that. So that was really exciting. I definitely have had other customers call me and tell me that they've had tennis elbow for ages. And like after four days of taking my product, the tennis elbow was gone. So like stuff like that just lets my spirit. Like I just love hearing consumer feedback about how our products are helping. So with me specifically, I've seen things here and there, but I can't pinpoint them because you're doing so much for your overall health. It's really hard to say what product does what. But uh, Mm -hmm. I will talk about a little bit more about the research that I've come across. So we're different to other brands. Like we kind of talked about other brands taking their product and then doing tests on it. We take empirical research that's already out there and then create our product. So Mm -hmm. we reverse engineer what we want to offer our customers and consumers. And one of the amazing things that we found is our fermented mushrooms, our fermented turmeric, and our fermented flax have become kind of hero products within the cancer support community. There's been a lot of research on these three products about how it's really helpful in staving off cancer or in cancer support when someone's, you know, done with their treatment. Mm-hmm. So sprouted flax has been shown specifically in women to reduce the chance of breast cancer, which is pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Some of the other stuff off the top of my head is sprouted buckwheat has shown to reduce fatty liver disease. So oh. just really, really amazing stuff that comes out there. But there's just so many different things with each product that's really amazing. Wow. I'd love to paint a picture for someone who maybe isn't so into this world or even into their nutrition yet and is maybe feeling like, I feel like I have some gut stuff you know, one of the list of things you mentioned, whether it's bloating or IBS and feeling like also maybe there's some mental health stuff there too, whether it's something yeah. like anxiety or, you know, different kind of stresses that that present. And they're thinking about, 
okay, what will this do for me or how should I start? Can you talk a little bit about how you would guide someone who is thinking about integrating some of this and what they might experience on the other side if they are looking to start feeling some relief both on the mental health side as well as maybe on the physical and gut health side? Sure. So first, I think that there's some really amazing clinics out there now that actually specialize in this. So there's the gut health clinic here in Australia. I think that's a chain Mm -hmm. that's um, both in Sydney and Melbourne. And I'm sure that there's um, in America, I mean, I think America's a little bit of ahead of the game when it comes to this type of stuff than, than we are here in Australia. So there's really amazing resources if you actually want to see a practitioner. Aside from that, I really recommend people, insight is the number one thing for recovery and and just to understand what's going on with yourself, both with anxiety and even with digestion. Mm -hmm. So if you can create a log, I think that that's really helpful to understand your patterns. Yeah. You know, we have these sayings like you get butterflies in your stomach or you're feeling nauseous because you had a heartbreak or you're about to go into a, a presentation and you might feel like you need to pee. So all these things that we have sayings for are, are come because we've had these metaphors within our body. And at first, for such a long time, we thought we were somatizing. And it's only now that we're seeing the research that actually our gut, like I said before, has an impact on all these different systems within our body. So if you are anxious or if you do have depression and you're noticing that you're having issues with your gut, like IBS or bloating, whatever it may be, I think having a log where you notice what comes first. Are you bloated and then your anxiety rises or vice versa Mm -hmm. is like really great knowledge for people to have just to gain that insight. And then seeking some help, trying to reduce the inflammation like we've already discussed. And I think for it's so specific to depending on what the person's experiencing. I haven't had too much experience in treating anyone with IBS, but I know that there are different medications that you might be able to take. But again, just understanding the side effects and seeing if those cause extra inflammation or not. And just working with your doctor, but also really what I said before, a little while ago about our medical system being quite linear and not seeing the system as a whole. When you do go seek help for this type of issue and you're noticing that your mental health and your gut health are related and affecting each other, I think it's super important to stress that to the practitioner that you speak to. And if they don't want to like connect those dots and they want to treat them singularly instead of together, I think that that's a red flag and perhaps find someone who is willing to discuss that they could be connected and how to go about treating them together. So really like asking the right questions to your doctor or practitioner that you choose to seek help with, and then also trying to gain insight and then seeing what, you know, what helps. So I think some people say that eating gum might help with, um, acid reflux and all that type of stuff Mm. is really important to try to connect the dots and get the help and try to look at it from a systems perspective, a whole systems perspective. Yeah. What about, I know that I read an article that you were featured in about beating anxiety and specifically naturally. Can you talk about some of those points that you talked about there? Sure. I think breathing is super great. And I hate to use the word mindfulness. I feel like mindfulness has been 
an overused term that kind of triggers some people in the wrong way. Sometimes when you are scared, naturally, you would notice that your breathing changes. So it'll become short and rapid. And that's a autonomic response. Like it just happens naturally. So we can reverse engineer through breath a similar situation where if you slow down your breathing and you deepen it, you can actually elicit the corresponding emotion. So breath work is huge. And I try to share a lot of breath work um, examples on my like Instagram or, or on different blogs and stuff like that, because it really does make such a difference. The other thing about deep diaphragmatic breathing is you're actually massaging your vagus nerve. So when we talk about your gut health and your brain health being connected, it's connected through the vagus nerve. And if you can actually massage and deepen that breathing, you're again, reducing the inflammation. And so you're doing all kinds of wonderful things with that deep breathing. It also synchronizes your autonomic nervous system. And that has been shown to reduce depression and anxiety levels. So it's really incredible, the research that's behind breath work. Another thing is exercise. Regular exercise is incredible. Um, I think it's really underutilized. And actually a lot of the research behind exercise kind of, I think another thing that gets kind of suppressed due to big pharma, people in different groups of depression studies, and I might be getting, I don't want to say any statistic because I might misquote it, but it shows that people who regularly exercise have more long-term reduced levels of depression and anxiety than people on medication, which is humongous. Mm -hmm. So if you can incorporate a regular practice within your lifestyle, that's really great. Something that's easy, it doesn't have to be like super hardcore. You don't have to go and like pump iron in the gym, but just 20 minutes a day shows amazing results. Mm -hmm. And because I studied yoga psychotherapy, I can't say enough about yoga. Uh, I think it's really amazing. I think that the calm that you feel and all the different benefits that your body gains from it is pretty incredible. I'd be curious to know what that turning point for you was when you really got into changing everything about your health and getting into this. Like, was there a moment where you were just like, I have to do something different? You know, what's funny is, and I don't think I've ever shared this on any interview or podcast or anything yet, but you can have all the research in the world and know what to do and just not do it. And I was guilty of that for so long. So even during the company formation, I was actually pretty healthy until I decided to start my company. And then starting for Montanicals, I don't know what happened, but I started working a lot and I wasn't active anymore because it was just totally tunnel vision focused on my company. Plus I have kids. So Mm -hmm. it was like my time was split between children and my company. And I just started eating poor and not working out. And I actually gained, it's funny in America, we've got this saying freshman 15. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. in my head, I was like, oh, I gained 15 kilos. The difference was it was kilos, not pounds. You know, kilos are like 2.2 pounds, one kilo. So (laughs) I gained like 15 kilos in six months of starting my company. So here I am selling health, but being the most unhealthy I had ever been. 
And I felt like, you know, I felt like such an imposter because I'm like, well, the the information is real. The knowledge is real. The products are real. I'm the only one who's like not real right now, you know? And it was really hard for me to like kind of get over that. And I really shirked away from being in the public eye and I didn't want to be interviewed and I was happy to write. I was very, like, I love research and I was really excited to write and give people information, but I didn't want to be the face because Mm -hmm. I just felt like such a fraud, you know? And I think for me, it was just a really hard time in my life. I was starting a company. I had just moved into this country. It was new for me. So that was a little bit of a challenge. I had like um, a rocky start to my journey in Australia. I love it now, but Mm -hmm. I wasn't super eager to be here when we first got here. And um, I had young children. My, my youngest was under two. So mm-hmm. it was just a really hectic time. And it wasn't until maybe like I had so many start and stops with my health journey. And it wasn't until the last year that I've seen a humongous difference. So like the weight's just been falling off, which is great. And I, I don't want to keep harping on about weight. Like weight doesn't equal health. But I've just been implementing the actual health practices regularly. So I'm exercising Mm -hmm. regularly. I'm eating healthy consistently and taking my supplements consistently, which has been humongous. Chlorella, I have to say, actually really does help with weight loss. (laughs) Really? I have some some chlorella, but I haven't really been taking it regularly. (laughs) Yeah. So we do a fermented chlorella and I'm like loving it. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just funny because the saying is so true, like you always hear the, the doctors, like the doctors are the worst patients and I'm not a doctor, but my God, anything that you know about or you try to push on other people is sometimes like the hardest thing for you to do yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. It's so funny. Today mm-hmm. I was talking to someone else and in the conversation came up the phrase, you know, they said, well, you know, it's like the cobbler's son has no shoes and it's kind of the same concept. And then this idea that like, okay, then you have to have this realization and then you come into, okay, I need to, you know, serve myself first to serve others. But it's funny because this concept is not one that I normally talk about and it's come up twice today, maybe for a reason. Yeah. It's just, it's interesting. I mean, that's the other thing when you're representing something, you feel like you're supposed to, you know, drink the Kool-Aid and just because you might not look like you are, it doesn't mean you don't believe it. I don't know. Yeah. It's so hard. Oh yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of anxiety, like, you know, here I am helping people with their anxiety and there was so much there that I was just talking about like that we, I just let be for so long, yeah. like, you know, and I think that there's something to that. There are so many people out there who are struggling with something and it's in their awareness, but there's complacency because it's comfortable to do what you know you've been doing and it's really uncomfortable to change. And um, I think that that's really true for any health journey, whether it be mental health or physical health. We just get so used to our current cycle Mm -hmm. and wanting to get the courage or the motivation to like get up and break that cycle or do something differently is really hard. And so I think like just taking a moment to anybody out there who's listening, who has been struggling with starting any initiative, that starting is so hard and power to you to like think about it and develop a plan and go for it because 
you know, I think that that's some of the things that really just stop people from starting. Oh yeah. That, I think that so relatable. And one of the things that came to mind as you were speaking, and even earlier when you were talking about moving to Australia is, you know, that sounds like a time of great transition and a lot of challenges and, you know, a lot that you were moving through. And I think that a lot of us can relate to that now because with what's going on in the world, so many of us are in transition, either moving, living in a different place, transitioning in career. There's so much of that happening right now. And I wonder if you can share if there was anything that you feel like you came out of that and learned or any kind of guidance that you would give for someone in transition and in some way from the experience that you've had? Sure. I think that any transition should be looked at as an opportunity. So some transitions are welcomed and others, mine, for example, was kind of like met with a little bit of resistance, right? But throughout that change, you are not in your norm already. So if you want to trial out new behaviors or talk about new goal setting, I mean, I think that that's like a really perfect time to do it. Um, I think COVID is different. so. Like if we're talking about how to get through COVID, that's less transition feeling to me and more like situational and current epidemic. So I feel like the the advice for the two would be very different. But when you're just talking about a new phase of life, it's really exciting, but it's also really scary and anxiety provoking. And I think that we should just acknowledge that any change may or may not be hard and that's okay. And how you perceive that change and how you respond and react to that change is also okay. And I I feel like there's just so much pressure that we put Mm -hmm. on ourselves to like take every transition with stride and be like, yeah, I'm going into a new career and I've got this. Like everyone's got to have this facade of like, Mm -hmm. it's great. Everything's going to be a-okay. And I just feel like let's cut the bullshit. Let's just, if it's easy (laughs) for you, awesome. If it's not, that's cool. Like Mm -hmm. the reason you want to talk about it is so you can get the support and your network is there for you for that support. So unless you're Mm going to own whatever you're going through, you're just not going to get what you need unless you ask for it. Yeah, that really resonates. I feel like, especially in this last year, I've just been getting a lot more comfortable with just letting my emotions come and flow through me versus trying to change it or get rid of it immediately or mask anxiety or anything with something else and just letting it go. So like if you are making a career change or you're making any sort of change, know that those feelings are normal and they're going to come up because you're doing something that creates so much uncertainty. So you're out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. But one of the things that you said was like spot on. It's just, if you have an emotion, don't suppress it. Just Mm -hmm. let it roll, experience it, validate it, and then let it go. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the only way to truly let it go. Otherwise, it's just going to, if you keep suppressing it, it just never goes away. And it's always bubbling underneath the surface. And then it blossoms into a real problem. So, you know, moderate levels of anxiety is really normal and natural. So if you're trying anything new or transitioning into a career or new phase of life, whatever it is, it's healthy to be stressed about it. We've talked a lot about uh, mental health and gut health, physical health. If there was one thing that you could recommend that everyone can do right now to improve their mental and physical health, what would you say? Exercise 20 minutes a day, both for physical and mental. 
<laughs> like yeah. that's just heart health, mental health, inflammation, like all of it. It's just mm-hmm. so, so great. And and I don't do it every day. Like I try five days a week, but um, mm-hmm. even just- That's good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just having a, a, finding a practice that you connect with, that you can incorporate into your lifestyle is mm-hmm. just what I recommend for everyone. Also, sleep is something that we haven't even talked about, but it's so huge. Oh, oh my God. Sleep is my number one. I know. You, yeah. need, you need adequate levels uh, of sleep and you do not sleep. No. Well, I just, there's a huge difference when I don't sleep versus when I do. And I just yeah. know, like if I don't get a good night's sleep, I just have to wait till the day is over to start it over again. Cause there's no chance it's going to be a good one. <laughs> yeah. I get very kind of like short and annoyed and it, I've just realized I need to sleep, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's so great that you have that insight because a mm-hmm. lot of people just don't, but sleep is so big. So if you can get that consistent eight hour good night sleep, seven to eight hours of good night sleep, that just makes such a difference with both physical and mental health again. Yeah. Um, you know, all of your functionings are improved. It's funny because Catherine and I now have like come into this awareness and we'll just say it and we talk about it if we're having a day, but we'll just kind of say, I'm just having one of those days where like, I just need to start this day over tomorrow. And so <laughs> this one is kind of, and I know that's kind of a luxury as well. And, and we can't do that with everything, but yeah. when you can just kind of say, you know, I didn't get enough sleep or this thing, you know, happened. And so I'm just going to acknowledge that this is not going to be an ideal day and I'm going to start fresh tomorrow and everything is going to be an opportunity to start new is something that I find really helpful when I can do it. Yeah. But that's also a really positive mind frame, like saying, all right, this day isn't going as planned, but I've got a new day tomorrow. That's really, I think that's really healthy and it's really positive and it's a great way to go about life. Like, all right, this day is a wash. I'm not going to harp on it. I'm not going to get caught up in it. So tomorrow we're just going to start fresh. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I want to be mindful of time, but one thing I wanted to see if you can recommend or clarify for people who might be looking into your products after this is if someone wants to get started with one thing, is there one thing that you would recommend someone get started with or is it really based on goal? How would you guide them? Oh, I would definitely say it's based on their needs. I can't say enough great things about turmeric. I just really think everyone in the world should take turmeric. So, but I'm biased. It was my first product and it was the reason we started the company or I say we really just me. It's the reason I started the company. (laughs) It's just such a miracle herb, I think, or root rather. But the other thing that I think is an unsung hero are fermented mushrooms. It's a blend of 10 different medicinal mushrooms and their adaptogens. Mm. And it's just amazing for immunity and also cancer support and inflammation. Like it's just, it's also an unsung hero. I think it's just such a great blend. The other warning I would say is if you are looking at starting our products and you're looking at multiple different things, particularly within the capsule range. So our fermented turmeric, our fermented mushrooms, and our fermented chlorella, I wouldn't recommend starting all three of them at the same time. That will be too much for your gut to handle. So spacing it out and you know, starting on one product one week and then incorporating another the second week and then another the third week will ease your gut into it. Mm-hmm. I'm very interested in this turmeric pill. I'm going to Me get too. Uh, it. Yeah. I actually just pulled yeah. it up. <laughs> so another little fascinating little piece of information about fermented turmeric. Again, I like love this product. But uh, in Okinawa, in Japan, they actually take fermented turmeric 
regularly as a practice to stave themselves off of hangovers. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. I know, which like in my age at 40, all of a sudden hangovers are like a new real thing. I'm like, I need to take this daily. Oh, I know. For me, I mean, we're 33. Like for me, more than one glass of wine and I have like a huge hangover the next day. <laughs> oh, wow. So I really need to watch. Yeah. I just want to sign off with like one extra little thing because I know we are within COVID right now. And I know we have a couple of minutes left just to give some COVID tips because I feel like that's different than phase of life or transition. And um, I think ways to try to reduce anxiety levels during this uncertain time is, I can't talk enough about your social network and feeling supported. So whether you're in a family system or you're single and you live by yourself, like those both are two very different sets of problems during this isolation period. And so if you are by yourself, I think just having that regular meeting schedule of trying to incorporate people within your life and having regular Zoom sessions with people that you love, super important. And then for family systems, reducing expectations of what you need from each other during this specific time of being stuck with each other in such close proximity all day long Mm -hmm. is really hard. So if you can reduce your expectations and try to give each other some space as well as trying to work together and feeling heard. I think communication is such a key thing. And then again, just trying to have like some sort of a practice. So like trying to get outside and just taking a walk, you know, by yourself or with someone within your isolation circle or your COVID circle, whatever it's being called these days. Yeah. That's really helpful. I feel like definitely the partner thing, because I'm living with my partner and it's just, we're just together constantly because he, we're both working from home and then like we do outside things and it's just, we had to be like, okay, we need to create some space because this isn't healthy. Well, there's one question that we ask all of our guests and that is what life experience has been your greatest teacher? This is really cheesy. I apologize in advance. <laughs> cheesy this is. But really falling in love and meeting my husband and deciding to be in a interracial marriage has been like the greatest teacher for me. Being in a partnership where we're sharing cultures and sharing cultural practices together and then being from two different countries and living with each other in both respective countries has been so amazing. And I'm very fortunate in that my partnership is really just so healthy you know, knock on wood, we communicate so well. And I truly believe that we've learned so much from each other's culture and having that shared experience. And um, it's broadened both of our perspectives so much. And it's made both of us, or I can only speak to myself, but it's made me such an open-minded person. And I truly think that I wouldn't have been able to take the risks that I've been able to take during my lifetime, unless I wasn't unless I had met my partner. You know, I come from a very traditional South Asian Indian background where I was, you know, my parents sacrificed for me. And it was like a typical immigrant story into America, right? Like I was growing up being American, but also heavily being Indian. And, you know, being taught to like, just conform and do what's right and go unnoticed. Mm. And, you know, so like getting a job and just going through the motions was, was, the best thing to do. And and my parents did a great job. They they gave me so much education and I'm forever grateful. 
But when I met my husband's family, they were like risk takers and like, you have this idea, go do it. Like backing me a hundred percent being like, it's amazing to create something. And like, I think that there was just this nervousness in my family for that. So I don't think I was able to go on the journey that I've been on and to create the company that I've created or to have any of these experiences that I've had unless it was for our us coming together. Uh, that is so beautiful. I like got emotional <laughs> hearing you say that because you are so I can see the like authenticity of how you feel coming through and that's so so beautiful. Oh yeah, I'm really lucky. I love my husband so much. <laughs> yeah. God, I'm like actually crying. Actually <laughs> I love this. Yeah. And like how great is it to come together with someone that can like push you out of your comfort zone and make mm. you feel like, oh, like, you know, you can do it and you can take risks. And yeah, I think absolutely. that's just yeah. such a beautiful story. I love it. Oh, thank you. Well, where can people find you if they want to get in touch, follow you on Instagram? We'll link all of this as well. But if you want to share it verbally. Sure. Well, actually, funny enough, just a couple of weeks ago, I started a new Instagram, nothing to do with my company. So not about fermentanicals, but just out of COVID, I was feeling a little bit like I need to do something. And I am a mental health therapist. I do have you know, CBT skills that I can impart on people, not to maybe do by themselves because I think the therapeutic relationship is so important, but for anyone struggling in this time to just give them science. So I started an Instagram handle and it's called FN, which stands for functional, FN underscore finding balance. And that's just purely mental health stuff, but it looks at mental health from a whole body systems perspective. So what you could do with your body. I'll like put on a yoga sequence. I'll talk about different statistics and science. And then alternatively, you can also find my company uh, website at www.fermentanicals.com.au. And we have an Instagram handle of at fermentanicals. And for anyone who's confused about what fermentanicals is, it's a play on words. It's fermented botanicals. So if you swoosh the words together, you get fermentanicals. Well, thank you so much. This was so great. Yes, thank you. We really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks, guys. Thanks for inviting me on. You guys are great. We loved this conversation with Jada. I'm so glad that we got to get into some of her personal story at the end as well. I loved that. Yeah, and I love the part about turmeric. I had no idea that it had so many benefits on our mental health, our physical health. I'm definitely ordering that right now. (laughs) Definitely. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Let us know. We love learning from these kinds of conversations and we want to share with everyone who can benefit. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review or share it with a friend and hit subscribe so you never miss a show.